Hi. Hello. I'm Alexis Hyde. I'm Erica Wong. This is Hyde or Practice. We have artist Takashi Arai with us, joining us from a very early different time zone. Uh, welcome and thank you. Hi, uh, yeah, I'm Takashi Arai. Thank you for having me here. I'm so delighted to talk with you both. Um, so will you please let our listeners know why they're so lucky to be listening to you this week? Who are you? What do you do? Where are you doing it? Well, clearly you read a lot because that no, bookcase behind you. shelf behind them is... It's really stunning. It's a library. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's my room, writing room. And uh, yeah, it's very, somehow it's kind of hard to introduce myself. I'm basically a photographer, but uh, I'm doing quite multiple uh, stuff, like uh, making films, movies, and also uh, doing uh, research, doing research as a, a part-time researcher as well. And also I'm writing essays and po- poetry as well. Yeah, um, and also I cook and, uh, yeah. <laughs> as, oh my God. Eric is in his face and we're just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> he does a lot of things. I remember one yeah, of the conversations things. we've had. It's like, he's like, I bought a bus. And I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> to oh, do yeah. He, he's like, my studio is on this bus now. I just drive around and I like go and record people. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> that's amazing and then he like sends me the pictures of this bus and i was like oh my god i want a bus i want a bus yeah and <laughs> it takes a little time to experiment i have a bus it's a bus you know a, a car <laughs> uh, it's a my mobile studio um it's uh i i got that um, two years ago i think and um because uh you know renting in japan is so high like uh, so i had a studio in yokama but um, it's not so easy to keep up with the studio. And, and I also, yeah, I'm always traveling. And um, so uh, like a countryside in Japan. So it's so um, difficult to maintain my studio. So I decided to make studio um, mobile. So the conclusion is a bus. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And this is like an old school, like, like public transport bus bus. Yeah, it's a second-hand one, and uh, it was used for the public bus in uh, um, uh, Kanazawa. It's a very uh, historical place in Japan, and then, yeah, I bought it on e- kind of eBay. Yeah, I was about because... to say, where do you even find a bus? In eBay. Of course, yeah. you can't find anything there. Yeah, and it's a, it's, it was quite, you know, surprisingly cheap, and I remodeled the uh, interior. And um, um, the reason why I need a bus, mobile studio, is that and I'm working on the daguerreotype. It's very uh, old-fashioned photographic process. And you need to prepare a plate, and you need to develop a plate at the location. So basically, you have only one to two hours to finish the whole process. So you need to you know, work with all equipment, chemicals, and tools, cameras, everything with you. So that's why I need a studio everywhere. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, I think that's fine. It's like, I have no problem with that. Absolutely. If I can have a bus, I would have a bus pro too. Bus. Yeah. Pro mobile studio via bus. I love that. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. someday you come to Japan and I just, you get the ride. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. We're there. We're 100% there. Everybody heard it. He invited us. We're going to go. 
Yay, why not? <laughs> yeah, for like the next Triennale, yeah. um, which I would love to talk to you about. Mm -hmm. um, but firstly, so you're a process art, I'm going to call you a process artist. I mean, your prints are beautiful, like just Thank kind you. of going through everything that you do. It's every single time I see your work, I just stand there and I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. So I wanted to know what is one thing as an artist that you've learned that we should know or like what should people know in terms of what it's like to be an artist uh, okay mm. and it's also connected to the, the process i'm using right the geotype uh whichever yeah. whatever it is that you mm. also because you don't you weren't trained formally as an artist so that's also really right. interesting yeah and uh, i'm kind of dropout student of the biology so uh, I studied biology a little bit and then dropped out of university and then started a career as a photographer. So um, I'm kind of a self-taught uh, artist and, and I never did uh, any artistic um, education. So, um, I mean, my method is quite, um, I think, strange to everybody. So uh, I always start with the um, kind of bit of scientific research sometimes. So um, my main topic is about uh, um, a uh, uh, you know historical trauma, traumata, and also like uh, the memories of pain, and then uh, for me personally, the 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 hardest time was a uh, 2011. It was like uh, the year of the triple disasters happened in Japan, an earthquake, tsunami, and also a uh, Fukushima nuclear disaster as well. So um, I'm living in near Tokyo, so uh, it's like a uh, 250 kilometers away from Fukushima. So uh, it's very close, actually. So um, it was my first time to expose myself to um, actual crisis in my lifetime. So it changed my um, perspective totally. And then after that point, I started thinking about what, how we can just share and how we can understand the uh, memory, the pain of the others. <clears throat> so uh, I'm in Tokyo and there in Fukushima, but. There's 250 kilometers, nothing maybe for American people, but you know, still there is a little bit distance, psychologically, physically. So um, if you uh, talk to the to uh, people living in Tokyo, they don't care about Fukushima in general. So there's a huge divide between people. So um, my mission is, I'm thinking it's like to connect or bridge those two um, different kind of people together, because otherwise, you know, um, People tend to be, they are like uh, victims of the disasters and then uh, we are like a person who mean to help something. So this way of thinking is also um, a bit dangerous because you can easily separate yourself from the realities. So I, I believe that um, an art um, has a power to connect, reconnect you know, or mix the people if they are divided in that way. So um, I'm using my technique and also I'm using my research and using my theme to work on this um, very difficult question. Connectivity. Yeah, connectivity and uh, sympathy. On, yeah, also, um, yeah, it's very difficult task though, you know, um, yeah, because we have so many things to do every day, like a busy you know, working day and you need to you know, keep your, maintain your life as well. So yeah, it's very hard to um, think about others. Alexis's face is like absorb of like I know. Wow. 
I know. It's like, it's like just poetry. It is. It is. It's so well because it's it's so many of the things that like I love about art in the first place that like draws me to it is like the connectivity of it and like the communication, like the power of communication in a medium that's not that can be new and mm. can be more powerful than storytelling or just regular speaking mm. or reading. And I love. I just like love that it's being wielded as a tool for that purpose specifically, especially when it comes to things like shared trauma and understanding pain, because there's so, I mean, especially in American culture, it's like, let's hide this stuff in the corners and like not acknowledge our issues mm. or the pain, even though this, the pain and the trauma can bind us and they, they, mm. these are things that we share and they can make us stronger together and empathetic mm. and work those empathy muscles that, you know, I don't think anybody's empathy muscles are getting enough workouts. Mm. Honestly, yeah. we can all be working them a little bit harder. Mm. And, um, and so I just love, I like everything. Just like hearing you talk about that. It's just like, it's pushing all my buttons, guys. All my, but all my buttons are being pushed. I'm like, Great. yes, yes, yes. Okay. Happy for here. Yeah. I still, still remember the Hurricane Katrina. And then, yeah, and then after the earthquake happened in Japan, I just often just refer to the uh, YouTube videos that the people are helping each other in, you know, the disaster side in Katrina. It was very somehow different from Japanese people. And the, the, you know, the major difference between us is like we often question ourselves that something like, you know, our, are we right person to help someone? Because we are not, you know, um, like a person who are involved with actual disasters. For example, like uh, people in the far west, they tend to think like, you know, it's too far. And uh, if they say something or if they act something, they might be exposed to the criticism from others because, you know, this is a very ridiculous way of thinking, but uh, this is a very particular um, pattern that we are Japanese people have. So it's called the Tōjisha uh, Seimondai in Japanese word, and it's impossible to translate to English. And um, it's something like a first personness, you know. Um, if you are the first person who uh, experienced the real disaster, you are the first person. But I, I'm not the first person because I didn't experience the, the actual um, streets or danger like uh, Fukushima people. So um, I, when I started working on the Fukushima issue, the people somehow pointed me out like I. Why you are doing this? Because you don't have any right to say anything because you are not the victims. So this is a way how the people react in this country. So um, this is very dif di different in, you know, United States, I think. So. Well, it is and it isn't. I mean, there's definitely, I think that there's people here who, you know, have that same kind of mindset that if it's, if it's not happening to you, mm -hmm. how can you speak to it? Um, but again, that's where it goes with those empathy muscles. If you know, if you're working them out, you can empathize and you can help give voices and use your talents and where other people might not have it. Because I, you know, if something were to happen to me, I'm not an artist. I would love an artist to depict like my story if I had one to tell. Um, so we can get more awareness, get more compassion, get more, mm. you know, important things moving and mm -hmm. just in general, you know, human connection, which is also vital. Um, because I think that there's people, you know, I mean, that, but that's, and it's interesting, I think, because it's, it's not like, you know, people haven't been telling other people's stories since time 
began. You know, it's not like Homer was like, I was, I was on this journey. Like Homer's telling the story of someone else. And it's like, how can you tell this story of Iliad if you didn't do it, Homer? And I don't think anyone was saying that. And, but it is, it's hard to communicate that. And I think also there's a lot of, like when you're talking about pain and shared pain and crisis, I think there's a lot of fear uh, for people to, you know, to try to, it's, a, it's scary to experience it. It's scary to think of yourself in that situation because there isn't much difference if you really think about it between mm. someone who was affected by this mm. earthquake versus the next earthquake. Because these things that's, have no... Mm. Yeah, that's a very good point, I think. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, you are kind of potential future victims. So, you know, yes. nobody can tell. Yeah. I mean, it's to say, you know, you don't want to watch a sad movie about a... a break up divorce because you're happy in your relationship right now and it's like not you but you know you the general you it's like oh i don't want to think about that uh-huh. <laughs> i don't i don't want to say anything about your relationship Sakashi. no but you don't want to yeah. you know it's like, oh, i don't want to watch a, everything's really good right now i don't want to jinx something you know people mm-hmm. like you know they get super superstitious around these kinds of things but mm-hmm. you know if you've you know i think as we're especially as 2020 is going on Everybody, nobody's nobody's yeah. safe, guys. That's guys. Right. Don't worry about it. It's the last month of 2020. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <really> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So true. It's already the last month. It's incredible. Wow. Um, I haven't really now. After I'm like all like waxing nostalgic about like shared pain and trauma, which is one of my favorite subjects in the world. Um, I do really want to know because I love daguerreotypes. What drew you to that process specifically? Because it is difficult and it is old, and mm-hmm. it's probably like you had to get a bus. Like this isn't <laughs> like this isn't yeah. something that you, there. There are probably easier ways to document. What was it about the daguerreotypes that um, attracted you to the process? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of spectrum person, so I sometimes just jump in the things like a buying bus or start up the daguerreotype. So uh, then after that, I start thinking why I did, I'm doing this. This is my pattern. But anyway, the f- uh, first time I started the daguerreotype was like a two thousand uh, four five, I think. So it's been like a 15 years or 16 years already. And then uh, after I dropped at the university uni and I wanted to uh, study photography because um, if I'm a photographer, I can be free. That's what that's what I thought. So anyway, so I started uh, studying the photography processes, and then uh, I thought, um, you know, photo- the history of the photography is very short. It's just like 180 years compared to paintings and something like that. So uh, I thought maybe I can uh, study every process until today. <laughs> So uh, my original plan is uh, starting daguerreotype and then go to the wet corrosion processes and then go to something else. And, but um, I stuck just in the first beginning, you know, the daguerreotype because um, I found daguerreotype is so um, different, special compared to other, you know, photographic processes. And I found that it has very contemporary value. You know, uh, before that point, I thought you know, all the process is something like very um, soft, out focus, and very sepia kind of stuff. But uh, the type is actually extremely sharp and so so contrasty and so shiny on the silver surface. And um, it looks so, um, I don't know, <clears throat> um, somehow sci-fi. 
Yeah, so um, it always looks newest some, sometimes. So that's what I like. And also, it's unique image, so you cannot reproduce image. So it's very, very different kind of system that this process has. So um, for example, if you say photography, everybody think about you know, you know, uh, documentary-style photographies or photojournalism. It's all about um, how to share that the photographic image to mass, right? But uh, in the daguerreotype era, there is no purpose to share the images for the public space. So it was created to just record the personal memories or personal um, likenesses, like family members' faces or lovers' faces or something like that, or sometimes yourself. So it's very personal activity. So um, I found that it's quite uh, useful because uh, we are too much get used to seeing the, the photographic images on the public space, magazines, news, you know, news or papers. So um, it's so easy to just um, ignore those images, even if it's very shocking, you know, um, photographic images like uh, Syrian refugees. So there's so much, you know, um, heart-wrenching images were released on the websites, but um, actually not so many people seriously took those images. You know, they say, oh, this is very horrible. We have to do something, but it's done. It's very short time, um, short life photos, if I may say. So, but if it is something personal, maybe you cannot ignore, you know, you have to um, think as if, if I am this person, how can I do something like that? So it's, for me, it, it has a little more um, powerful in de these days comparing to the uh, conventional, um, traditional uh, documentary style photographies. So it's quite, you know, um, how can I say, it? Uh, sounds like a contradiction, but yeah. That, yeah, that's why I'm doing daguerreotype, I think. Again, Alexis is just like eating it up. It's actually really funny. I've like never seen her like eat something up like the way she is in this recording session. I, I'm like absolutely swooning, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it just, uh, I mean, I'm just like thinking like the personal, like the personal aspects of it, like when you're going through and you're making it, you're making it personal. Like that's, like this is what I mean. Like when you're talking about like exercising these like empathy muscles, like, talk about like an exercise like you have to you're going to a place you're making the process and all of this stuff is like it's so funny because someone mentioned to me today about how they thought that nothing can matter or the thing that you create like as an artist it can never mean more to somebody else than what you than what it means to you as the creator and i disagree with that pretty strongly actually um in terms of like creations of things because i think that when you can have like an investment of time and an investment of you know your knowledge and your practice and all of those things like that but being able to share someone else's story being able to move someone about a subject that they were unfamiliar with or reluctant to do about like that's that's this stuff that like that like transcends and um that's just like what you're talking about right now and i'm just I don't know, guys. I'm verklempt. <laughs> Erica has to ask something. I need to take a break. I need a fan. <laughs> I mean, I was so lucky because I went and saw your show whenever I don't actually even know when that was because 
who understands what 2020 is anyway. No. Um, and it's amazing because, well, firstly, I was the only person in there. And as soon as you walk into the gallery, you're just so enamored by the beauty of the place. Like there, and this is, I, I don't like want to, I don't want to do it like disjustice, but the, the physical plates itself as an object, they're stunning to look at. They're so shiny. They, and they captivate and then, wow, this is really nerdy of me. Um, but like the spotlight, the way it hits, the way it reflects and then the glass reflecting off the image. And then you really have to go in and look at like the negative of the plate. Like it just requires so <laughs> yeah. Alexis was just like, oh my God. But like talk mm. about romance and talk mm. about really experiencing that process and living, understanding how laborious it is and like elaborate it is in order for something to be created. And mm. then like knowing that this one human went through all that to document that, to go and create that for it to go onto the surface, which, which will then be left on a surface forever. Like, Yes, it's very romantic, but it is stunning. And not to mention the fact that there's also like the, the moving image and like the captured um, theme that you were exploring, which is amazing, which you should also tell us about, which is like, um, I can't even do it justice about these 100-year-old ladies with the, with the belts that they like, please tell us about oh. like this okay. exhibition because it's amazing and then you can tell us about like you're the only artist i know that showed at a triennale in the midst of COVID 19 like how does that work out like i'm getting so like missed out i want to like also hear about the, like the logistics of that too but do we talk about the ladies and the belts oh yeah and, uh yeah erica is talking about uh, my show in london party hicks gary and then it is about uh, a thousand stitches uh, it also takes some time to explain it, but uh, um, this is um, kind of um, historical uh, object or belly band used for used by uh, the Japanese imperial soldiers. So uh, the soldiers is wrap their body around with you know a piece of cloth. It's called uh, seninbari, and uh, you know direct translation is a thousand stitches. So uh, this is a very uh, strange belly band um only crafted by women at that point at that moment and then they it has a, a thousand knots on the surface the red knots so this is white um belly band with a thousand knots like this so uh, the reason why they had the knots is like this is a prayer to protect soldiers from the buret so um this is superstition that uh, if you have this belly band around you Bread cannot hit you. This is a basic belief of these thousand stitches. Yeah, it's, <laughs> of course it's it's ridiculous. But you know, uh, for example, like uh, you know, some um, Christian soldiers carry the Bible in here in this pocket, you know, to believe that might protect you from the you know gunshots or something, because you know they are fighting for their lives, so they need something to believe. I think, but. Um, you know, uh, it also has showed the gender roles during the wartime, you know, mainly the men fought in, you know, um, World War II. So um, 
Of course, there's no more exceptions, but uh, mainly men. So um, in Japan, um, domestic, uh, you know, um, people like uh, family members, women, children, they uh, are educated to support the soldiers in, fr in the far front by making this kind of things or by working or studying hard. So that helps the soldiers in front. So this is like a brainwash activity as well. But origin of this um, custom is like uh, started naturally by the, the, um, the people. <clears throat> and it was first time prohibited by the, the authority because um, this prayer is basically about um, something like, please return home safely alive. So this is basically, but if you remember that the Imperial Japan did, they asked soldiers to die bravely in the, in the battlefields. So it's very, opposite prayers, you know, they have. So that's why it was prohibited in the beginning. But gradually, it became a national-wide boom, you know, to make a, a thousand stitches. Then um, the government started to ensure to make more thousand stitches, more and more. So nowadays, you can find it at the books, bookshop in Japan. So I found it and uh, made, uh, decided to make a work with a daguerreotype. So it's not just that, and then he like documents it the ladies. Yeah, yeah oh, like, sorry, like, I forgot. The ladies in like the in the countryside and like the right, middle right. of nowhere with his bus. Yeah. Uh, and I... then he shows that at the Trianale, which like no one can go to. <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you for helping me. And uh, yeah, and then I started the research as, uh, as usual. Then I, I found uh, there's quite many um, ladies still alive. They are like all eight, late 80s or 90s. So they actually experienced making thousand stitches. So uh, I interviewed uh, the one of the ladies living in Hiroshima. And she was 92 years old, I remember. And then I also decided to make a, a half a semi-documentary film with this lady and her daughter and her granddaughter. So this video is about, um, maybe I can share the, uh, the link later on, but uh, yes. yeah. This video is about the, the three generation, three ladies in three, in three generations uh, working together and then grandmother is making the stitches and then the daughter is just um, removing the stitches and granddaughter is flattening the cloth with iron. So this kind of, bit with a metaphor how our memories with is passed over to the next generations because and um, history is very um you know relative uh thing because um we have certain viewpoints on it like uh, for example like uh, upon the imperial japanese um you know period or time but uh it's our viewpoints so maybe people who actually lived in that area uh, that era has different viewpoints, of course. So uh, it's very hard to say what is truth and what is not you know, truth or something like that. So we need to be very neutral to understand the details of the history. Otherwise, you know, the history can be repeated again. So um, I'd like to um, deconstruct the fixed viewpoints of the, uh, to the history and then try to make people think personally you know, as they live in the, the same period of time. So um, the video is about this kind of, you know, very personal, uh, vague um, um, conversations, you know, they uh, naturally made. So I just directed them to make a very band, but I never directed what they speak and what they act or something. Like that. So this all natural improvised conversations they have. So it's very, very subtle, vague, emotional conversations in the video. 
So uh, aside this video work, I'm also exhibited uh, a thousand uh, daguerreotype plates. Uh, it uh, shows this uh, each knot of the very fine. It's very tiny. It's like a two millimeters, um, you know, uh, circle. So uh, yeah, so I needed a, a microscopic lens attached to the, the camera. Then I took uh, the knots one by one on, onto the a thousand daguerreotype plates. So it's very difficult to explain that. It's a st it, like all I can say was when I walked in, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, I'm so glad that this is the only thing I've seen this year because it is amazing. I'm losing my mind. I'm yeah. actually losing my mind. I have, I, what, what? <sighs> <laughs> yeah, again, yeah, this is a, the practice to deconstruct the, this, you know, mass, not mass, but uh, by uh, anonymously made uh, southern. Oh, sorry, I'm just going back and forth. Uh, this, you know, southern thesis has to have to be made by different women, southern women, basically. I don't know why, but this is this was that. So the people just go into the street and they ask the ladies to please make a one knot, a one knot, please something like that. So then, you know, this is the, the whole. Uh, southern stitches are uh, made by different women. This is very, um, how can I say, uh, incredible historical fact. The thousand women. Yes, southern women, southern stitches. I also yeah. want you guys, I wish you guys could see how like chill Takashi is with like me absolutely flipping out because he's like, yeah, this is understandable. This is how you should react to this. <laughs> it's amazing. This is a regular day for me. Because um, I'm losing my mind. We'll get all. We'll get links for all of this, guys, for you guys to see because this is incredible. But how? I mean, so you showed this at the tree and alley. I mean, were people? I know, Erica, you saw it. How many people got to go and see it? Uh, about train alley. You come on train alley. It's quite many people actually came. Oh, good. Yeah, and um, because uh, regulation in Japan changed often, then uh, mm -hmm. at the beginning there's a you need a reservation and like uh, um. 30, I'm not sure, I'm not working. So, certain amount of people can just get enter yeah. in, in one hour. So, then, uh, um, I don't know, latter half of the, the period, so uh, it was loosened, so it's more people came. Yeah, yeah and then also the restriction made, made people want to come somehow. So, there's so many enthusiastic viewer, visitors we had, so we are very um, happy to have that. But, uh, Sadder thing is it's international train area, so we didn't have any international artist on site. So it was very sad because train area is like for artists and the curators, it's the, the place to exchange our thoughts and get to know each other and yeah, communicate. So this chance was taken. So this is the saddest thing. Even the curators, they cannot come. They are Rax Media Collective and Indian curators and they couldn't also come. So yeah, but uh, I'm so happy that we Managed to have this show in this particular year in in Yokama. So. Yeah, something something's better than nothing. It's better to show it. Um, sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, True. Goodness. Um. So what? All right. This is this is like totally separate. How how do you like move a thousand pieces? Uh, move to yeah like how did you get them there how did you get them out like how like how do you move a thousand pieces 
Right. Ah, uh, yeah. It's tiny pieces. Like uh, it's thirty-five millimeters film size. So it's yeah. like this. Yeah. It's still so, uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. So uh, I wanted to make a frame individually, but uh, it's quite technically and uh, economically impossible. So uh, yeah, I just framed uh, hundred together in a very um, horizontal frame. So ten frames. So it's not so much actually. Um, I mean, yeah. Still, that's a lot. I mean, it's it's a lot to frame a hundred in one. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. Like uh, four lines and twenty-five rows. Yeah, I think. That's amazing. That's amazing. So I like, keep it all in track. Or yeah. Track of it all. Incredible. Um. Yeah. So what? So you said you're doing like research now, and you're doing you're working the. Are you working on any other films right now? Uh, right now, I'm preparing for the next uh, project, and also it's gonna be uh, ten years after the uh, triple disasters happened in 2011. In next year, so uh, I'd like to follow up um, the same uh, project that I did ten years ago, because um, I portrayed so many people in Fukushima, and uh, I'm st still keeping that uh, contact with them. So maybe I, I revisit there and uh, talk to them, and maybe I will make a another portrait with them, I think, yeah. I'm not sure this uh, COVID situations, how, how COVID situation, you know, affects this project, but I'd like to do so, so. And then, um, yeah, also I'm working on uh, um, two films now, and also uh, a, yeah, half-done portraits project, uh, teenagers portraits projects is still going on. So, yeah, several things is running same time. Yeah. Wow. So busy, and people think that artists don't do anything, especially know, right? during COVID times. Like we just sit around and we do nothing. Mm, Clearly, that's yeah. not true. Someone showed at the Triennale, and then mm. came to the UK. You know, like. Yeah, I think we are. I'm kind of lucky you know, comparing to other countries. Like uh, Japan is. I don't know the infection is so low. Uh, you know, there's a, the, uh, many says there's a fake, in, you know, um, statistics happening in Japan, but still it's so low. So um, it's, there's no um, very uh, strong restrictions happens in here. The borders are closed, but yeah. So it's quite um, easier to work if you are very careful, I believe. Yeah. I'm not sure. So are you going to take your bus anywhere? I, I love this bus. So every single time I talked to him, I was like, tell me more about this yeah, bus. Oh, Where are you going? I know about the bus. There's like more bus. Yeah, it's called a bonnet bus. Bonnet bus. I think uh, there's many in the United States, but like a school bus, you know, do you have, you have a yellow school bus, right? Yeah. Yeah. The shape is something like that. So it's very rare in Japan, but yeah, it's old school bus. And then uh, it's, uh, you basically need a dark room. And then um, a ventilation system to develop the daguerreotype plates. So uh, I installed all things inside of the, the bus, and I also made a tiny bedroom in the rear. So um, yeah, it's very nice yeah, bus studio. But my original plan is just go around everywhere in Japanese um, islands um, if COVID nineteen didn't happen. But um, now it's a bit difficult because um, some parts of Japan uh, restrict the people, visitors from outside of other regions, you know, their regions. So uh, if you go there, maybe uh, you, they see the you know, number of number plates and then start throwing the stones, maybe. I don't know. It happens, actually. 
yeah. I don't. You're not yeah, welcome. I, mm, maybe, but my but my bus is too present, so maybe people don't don't do any direct attack or something. <laughs> my bus is too pretty. Too high. <laughs> Your bus is pretty, actually. I have to yeah. say, your bus is pretty, very pretty, and mm. it and it talks like it, it's like, be careful, the door is closing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. The, the, the buzzer as well. You know, you can just push the button, the bus stops. Yeah. Don't you want a bus now? Like, yes, I, want a bus. <laughs> I want a bus. I want a mobile. I want a mobile studio. I want a bus too. <laughs> I'm yeah, it's a, I don't I don't make anything, but I'll just like hang out in the bus. What if I could like rent out the bus to other people to make stuff in? I mean, you can buy it. I think it's much much easier and cheaper in the states. And one of my friends, Anton Orof, the, the photographer living in San Diego, he also has a bus studio. So a bus studio except for us, Erica. <laughs> I know everyone has a bus but us. I know we need to we need to get on this bus mobile studio thing. You should have one. I should have one. Yes, yeah. yes. Let me look into that immediately. Mm -hmm. So tell me, um, with you traveling and going on buses and the thousand knots, what have you been reading, watching, or listening to this week? Oh, this week I okay. Um, I finally watched the Joker, the film. Oh yeah, oh. how did you like it? I have so many thoughts. Todd, I really like it actually. Yeah, it's you not like it. Or you didn't? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I like the actor, and he uh, did a kind of choreo, you know, like a buto dancing in, in very important scenes, and uh, it's very emotional. And so, yeah, I, I basically like it. I hated it. Yeah. Well, no, I loved Joaquin Phoenix. I loved his performance. I mm. thought Todd Phillips was a coward. I thought <laughs> he did not have enough faith in Joaquin Phoenix. I think the movie could have been a lot more if he didn't rely on a lot of things to get mm -hmm. through the movie. If he had had more confidence in Joaquin Phoenix, I think the movie would have been a lot better. Okay. Um, but I know, but Joaquin's movements and his physicality, mm. unbelievable, incredible. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. But I think Todd Phillips is a coward. And I'd say that to his face. <laughs> okay. That's where I stand. Takashi doesn't agree with me, but I, I stand where I stand. I think I think that's okay. a coward. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good movie. It's good to watch the performance, though. Um, did, wait, did you watch that on the plane? I, no, uh, Netflix. <laughs> uh, I'm totally addicted on Netflix and uh, other online, you know, like movie, etc. I'm a big fan of uh, films, so um, I also watched uh, Star Trek this, year, this week as well. Okay. I'm kind of a nerd, so I do like the, any kind of sci-fi films. So, yeah. You're preaching to the, to the <laughs> that makes sense over here. Yeah. Are you reading anything interesting? Uh, reading, it's I'm um, yeah, I'm reading. Yeah, I'm I need, I'm writing a paper now, so I need to read kind of yeah stuff and about uh, uh, yeah. I'm working on a, a Godzilla film. I say it's about a film study paper. So um, yeah. I'm reading a uh, lots of uh, Godzilla-oriented yes. books now. <laughs> yes, I love Godzilla. Yeah, I, love Godzilla. I didn't see the latest one, but uh, latest one is uh, which one? I just it was the latest one. It had that girl from Stranger Things in it. Ah, yeah. I see. Yeah, I didn't see that one yet. Mm. Yeah, I, my paper is about. Uh, sorry. No, oh, no, but no. I want to know what's what's your paper about? Yeah. 
Yeah, my paper is about the first Godzilla in, created in 1954. Also, like a uh, um, newest Japanese Godzilla made by uh, the same director, the Evangelion. Mm -hmm. uh, he's an animator, and uh, he created the um, Godzilla film in 2016. So both films are connected to nuclear disaster as well, actually. So um, I, to, I wanted to just compare two films and what is the difference on the narratives. So yeah, because I'm also making a sci-fi film now, so I wanted to understand how we can engage this uh, very difficult reality through the fictional story as a sci-fi film. So I love that. I love that so much. I love that about uh, Japanese art in general. I feel like there's a lot of different aspects of Japanese art that are dealing with difficult histories yeah. through fictional and science fiction narratives mm -hmm. and. Again, I think it's very powerful to connect people through ways that you wouldn't think would be the would be the tool. Sci-fi connects everybody. They don't know it, but it does. It's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy to hear that sentence. Yeah. Sci-fi uh, connects think, everybody. Yes. So we'll get all of this very exciting stuff, and we'll put those in the bio, uh, the link in the in our little blurby. I mean, but uh, for our listeners who would like to find you on the interwebs, where should they look? I, uh, I have a website. I'm not so active on uh, um, uh, SNS, so I just I have just one account on uh, Instagram. It's uh, I'm posting the daily daguerreotype project. It's about a daguerreotype. I'm making a, this small place almost every day, so I'm yeah, posting those uh, you know works on uh, Instagram. So uh, I it's the account name is um, da daily um, undercase. Underline and daily DAG tag. Cool. Yeah. We'll put that on. I'll put the site and that on there. I'm Alexis Hyde. You can find me at Hide or Die anywhere. I'm Erica Hi. Wong. You can find me at To Practice Practice. And uh, if you guys are listening on Apple, would love it if you uh, liked and subscribed or reviewed. It uh, helps get the word out for everything. But uh, thank you again so much uh, for joining us. This was amazing and um until next time bye bye, bye.